This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. Well, visitors to Koreshin State Park in Estero have often asked whether there was any connection between Cyrus Teed Koresh, the man who founded the Koresh in Unity, which called the land home beginning in the late 1800s, and David Koresh, the man who led the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas, from the mid-1980s until the group's fiery demise during an FBI siege gone wrong on their Mount Carmel compound on April 19, 1993. The answer has always been no. There is no connection between the two, and the similarity between their names is purely coincidental. Well, new evidence has come to light that seems to prove that there was most certainly a connection of some kind. One of our guests today found a copy of a long-overlooked book called Koreshanity, the New Age Religion, published by Cyrus Teed's followers decades after his death and detailing his prophecies and his story. He found the book while researching for his own book on what happened in Waco three decades ago next month. I spoke with him and an FGCU professor who herself has spent a lot of time researching Cyrus Teed Koresh and the Koresh in Unity for her own book. I spoke with them last week about the new connections that have been uncovered. Let's hear that conversation now. Jeff Gwynn is author of numerous books, including Manson, The Road to Jonestown, and his latest Waco, David Koresh, The Branch Davidians, and A Legacy of Rage. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for your time. It's great to be your guest. And Lynn Milner is a professor of journalism at Florida Gulf Coast University and author of The Allure of Immortality, An American Cult, A Florida Swamp, and a Renegade Prophet. Lynn, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mike. So, Jeff, I do want to start with you. Uh, I just want to know, why did you decide to write this book? I looked into it, and there are lots and lots of books on this subject. So what triggered this book for you? It's been 30 years since the incidents at Mount Carmel occurred. And we're still feeling the effect of what happened that day. When I saw on January 6, 2021, that some of the leaders of the attack on the Capitol based their whole militant attitude on the fact that they, to this day, so many years later, they were trying to get revenge for Waco. I thought, how come this story hasn't been told? And I looked at the other books and all of them are pretty one-sided. There are a lot of moving parts here. And history isn't just one event. There is no history in a vacuum. I wanted to find out more about not just what happened, but why and how. Were you at all familiar with the Koreshans in Astero or Cyrus Teed prior to beginning this project? I should have been more familiar than I really was. On two occasions, a few years before I started this book, I came across accounts of Teed and the Koreshans. The first was when I was working on a book about Henry Ford and Thomas Edison, who had their winter homes in Fort Myers, and had written letters to friends about how fascinated they were by this group called the Koreshans that had their own property, and to Edison's mind had some unique ways of raising crops. Then the Wall Street Journal asked me to write about the best books whose subjects had been American cults, I started looking and I found this wonderful book called The Allure of Immortality by a woman named Lynn Milner. And reading the book, I suddenly think, wait a minute, here's this name Koresh and Koreshans, and this is dozens of decades before David Koresh and Waco. Obviously, after that, I had to know more. But Lynn's book was a real catalyst. 
You know, um, when starting to read up on this, I did some Google searches, and I was surprised to find the Washington Post story that was published during the siege of Waco, where there was a biblical scholar who was trying to get the attention of the authorities because he felt like there may be a connection. Were you aware of that? Did that, I, I guess, popped up in your research then? Oh, very much so. Dr. Phil Arnold was the scholar, and he and I spent many hours with me interviewing him and both of us poring over different reference materials. During the siege, the FBI was very arrogant. They didn't want to know anything about the spiritual beliefs of the Branch Davidians. They privately called it Bible battle and mocked the Branch Davidians for it. Dr. Arnold tried every way he could to make them aware that the Branch Davidians had certain beliefs, foremost among them that they were led by the Lamb of Revelation and had to die at the hands of Babylon to bring about the end times from the book of Revelation in the Bible. Dr. Arnold is the man who discovered that there was a book called Koreshanity, Religion for the New Age, that had many of the prophecies of Cyrus Teed in it, published posthumously by Teed's followers. And he's the one that made the discovery that it was apparently on hand and available in the Waco Public Library. Uh, when I learned that, that gave me the impetus to not only try to find the book, which I was able to do. Uh, Lynn Milner has even held it in her hands, by the way, when she came to Waco. But beyond that, it brought me to Fort Myers, where with the help of the tremendous archivists at Florida Gulf Coast University, I was able to see all the real firsthand documentation of Cyrus Teed and his enclave. And there were things that were simply taken verbatim by David Koresh. Koresh plagiarized Cyrus Teed, whether consciously or unconsciously, but without what happened in Fort Myers. The things that happened in Waco would never have occurred, probably. And so Fort Myers is an integral part of some very important American history. Um, before we get further into how he might have wound up, you know, using basically the same story that Cyrus T. did about a, a vision that changed the course of his life, told him he was the lamb who could open the seven seals, stuff like that. Um, Lynn, I want to pivot to you now. Um, in researching for your book, The Allure of Immortality, did you at all think of or did the name David Koresh, Branch Davidians, did any of that even come up in the process of putting your book together or was that not even a connection at that point? No, it, it was a very much a connection that um, frustrated not just me, but it has frustrated scholars throughout the years. Um, I knew that they were theologically, very closely theologically related. But as a journalist, I wasn't willing to stick my neck out and say there was plagiarism here. Um, there were huge similarities, of course. Both men changed their names to Koresh, and the reason for that is that they believed themselves to be the modern day manifestation of King Cyrus from the Bible, who freed the Jews from Babylon. Um, they both believed themselves to be the lamb. What we didn't have was this book that Jeff found. Um, not only was the FBI ignoring this man, Phil Arnold, but the media was too. You know, I had come across that article in the Washington Post the way that article was written, it mentioned that there was speculation that David Koresh had 
modeled himself, that's how it was phrased, had modeled himself after Cyrus T. There was no mention of a book. There was nothing more than speculation. There was also a CNN interview that never aired that I didn't know about, also did not mention the book. So the FBI was ignoring this very smart religious scholar who knew just how rare this connection was, but also the media was ignoring him and not delving deeply enough. So it took a guy named Jeff Gwynn uh, coming along, reading through 60,000 pages of FBI transcripts, spending hours with Phil Arnold, and then finding this needle uh, in a haystack of this book in the Waco McClellan Public Library of all places. And the book had some markings in it, uh, some underlinings to indicate that someone had been very interested in this book. And this was only 12 miles from Mount Carmel. So that was what sort of set Jeff's antenna up. But yes, that, David Koresh was very much on my radar. Um, he was a controversial figure when it came to Cyrus Teed and the Koreshian historic site. You know, some people just completely, uh, one man told me there is absolutely no relationship to the wacko from Waco is how he phrased it. And I dug and I dug and I dug. And um, I wasn't, again, I wasn't willing to stick my neck out as a journalist and say, yes, David Koresh plagiarized from Cyrus T. So now we can say that. Interestingly, we don't know if he did so unwittingly. Uh, before we get to the whether it was wittingly or not, uh, which I do want to get to, um, remind our listeners, which our listeners are pretty familiar with the, the Koreshian story because of having you on in the past and things like that. But remind our listeners sort of, you know, how Cyrus Teed's story ended, um, you know, what happened when he was hurt and then his death and like what his uh, believers and followers um, thought about that time and what would happen next, because it, 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 there's some analogs directly to the end of the Waco story, I believe. Yeah. And there, there are also analogs throughout his life. You know, um, Cyrus Teed, who we now, I, I refer to as the first Koresh, <laughs> he was a school dropout who became a doctor. He was a manual laborer. Um, he worked in, under some of the worst labor conditions from the 19th century, and so became uh, very anti-capitalist and spent his life trying to abolish wage labor. Uh, when he was 11, after he dropped out of school, he worked on the Erie Canal, and his job was to walk 30 miles a day, guiding the mules that pulled the boats down the canal. And so he had, um, again, big distaste for capitalism, which was built very early on. I think Jeff would agree that that was something that um, he and David Koresh had in common. And uh, he was also exposed there on the Erie Canal to lots of you know, topics. This was a kind of a highway of ideas. So he was exposed to faith and religion and pseudoscience. He claimed when he was 30 to have had a visit from an angel, and this gets to your question about similarities, and the angel was female. Uh, he believed that the Holy Spirit was female in form, which later Lois Roden also declared. She told him, she told Cyrus T that his job was to redeem humanity, and he got to work right away. He uh, 
unfortunately, he didn't do so well the first 13 years. He sort of roamed the proverbial desert and he was ignored. And then in Chicago at a mental health science convention, he had some success. He was piggybacking on the success of Mary Baker Eddy of the Christian scientists, which also is interesting because I think no religious leader works in a vacuum. Teed was also distantly related by marriage to Joseph Smith, and he certainly would have known of Smith's success and also of his, um, his demise. So he gathered followers in Chicago. He was persecuted in Chicago, mainly by husbands and by the media. <laughs> Cyrus Teed was catnip for yellow journalists, and so he made the front pages, even though he's obscure now. He made the front pages of the Chicago Tribune, the San Francisco Chronicle, the New York Times, and ultimately he had to leave. He couldn't pay his uh, gas bill. He wasn't getting along with many of the husbands. And uh, as the husbands phrased it, the wives had left their hearthstones desolate and joined Teed because one of Teed's main tenets was that men and women were equal and that women could take leadership positions. That was something that was, quote unquote, revealed to Lois Roden as well. So you were asking about his death. They came to Florida. They started their own political party. And that was the beginning of some trouble with the people of Fort Myers. It led to, uh, they also started their own newspaper because they were in a press war with the what, what is now the Fort Myers News Press. At its peak, the society had 200 members, which didn't seem to me when I was writing it like a lot of members. But when you look at David Koresh, <laughs> he died with less than half of those uh, members. So David Koresh, too, would have been obscure had it not been for the standoff and the siege and the colossal misunderstanding that, that led to the deaths of the Koreshans and to several ATF agents. So when T died, they believed he was coming back to life and they put his body in a bathtub that had been built to his dimensions and they waited and they thought because they thought he was coming back to life, they waited for signs that he was and his doctor, who was a doctor of osteopathic medicine, which was looked down on at the time, was seeing what he believed were hieroglyphics forming on his body. He was seeing what he thought was an arm bud forming underneath a blister on his arm. I spoke with Heather uh, Walsh Haney at FGCU about this, and I said, what was Weimar seeing on his body? She said, well, those hieroglyphics are the marbling that happens when the body decays. Um, she explained all sorts of stuff to me about what Dr. Weimar thought he was seeing. But so they kept Teed in that bathtub, watching him decay. They even took pictures of him, and you'll find a picture of Teed's dead body in my book. <laughs> um, they really believed that he was coming back to life. And then, of course, the health department came and declared him, quote, quite extinct, unquote, and forced his burial in a tomb. They entombed him on Fort Myers Beach, and that tomb was swept away in the 1921 hurricane. They did find a few of his bones, which they put in the post office 
you know, like you do. <laughs> and, and that post office burned down in 1937. So it's a crazy story. In some cases, this is a, a real wormhole um, that we go down when we talk about Cyrus Teed. But I think the important thing to remember is that um, the Koreshans really show us the importance of belief and how belief drives us and how it can be unshakable. I think that Jeff's story and that the Waco story echoes that perfectly. So the Branch Davidians certainly believed, right, that they were fighting the great battle. The FBI believed <laughs> that, the, that the Branch Davidians were full of Bible babble. The media believed that this was a hostage uh, negotiation and that David Koresh was a bad guy, right? Um, so we see all the way from, I think of him as my Cyrus, <laughs> all the way from my Cyrus, all the way to David Koresh, um, this power of belief. And the heartbreaking thing is that this book that has surfaced, I believe could have shattered the Branch Davidians' beliefs had the FBI sent it in to the compound. Uh, they chose not to. And I think that's one of the most important takeaways. Had the FBI sent in that book, the right-hand lieutenant of David Koresh would have seen that there was plagiarism. That would have been a dangling thread, pull on that dangling thread, and that's going to unravel for a lot of people the faith that they had in David Koresh. I'd like to take a moment to reintroduce my guests. Lynn Milner is a professor of journalism at Florida Gulf Coast University and author of The Allure of Immortality, an American Cult of Florida Swamp and a Renegade Prophet. And Jeff Gwynn is author of numerous books, including his latest, Waco, David Koresh, The Branch Davidians, and A Legacy of Rage, which includes information about connections between David Koresh and the man who founded the Koresh in Unity, which called Astero home beginning in the late 1800s. That's Cyrus Teed. If you'd like like to engage with the show about today's topic, just find us on Facebook or on Twitter. Jeff, let's turn back to you now. So she mentioned the name Lois Roden, and I want to get into the basics of how, you know, the speculation of as to how David Koresh would have come across Cyrus Teed. Lois Roden was the leader of the Branch Davidians prior to David Koresh. When he arrived at Mount Carmel as a 21-year-old, she made him her protege. Lois achieved ascendancy in the Branch Davidians by describing her own proof of prophecy. And this was that an angel appeared to her at night and revealed that the Holy Ghost was female. Uh, word for word, it matches a description Cyrus Teed had of his visit from an angel that he put in his Flaming Sword newsletter which incidentally was on file at the Florida Gulf Coast University archives. And any of us could have seen it years ago. We just didn't know to look. Lois wanted to be succeeded by David Koresh. We know that at least twice in Lois's own newsletters, she mentioned the Koreshans in Estero. She was aware of them. She knew about them. David Koresh became leader ultimately of the Branch Davidians because he also claimed a miraculous biblical moment 
when he learned that he was a prophet, that he was taken up to heaven by angels, and there he learned that he was the new incarnation of King Cyrus from the Old Testament. Cyrus in Hebrew is pronounced Koresh. That is why Cyrus Teed initially took the name, and then David Koresh did as well. Koresh was told he would be the lamb of the book of Revelation, the only one who could open the seven seals of the great book in heaven, and ultimately would have to be the leader of his followers who would battle Babylon and bring in the new age of God, which again matches up almost word for word with a Cyrus Teed editorial about himself in a copy of The Flaming Sword in 1882. The question is not whether David Koresh plagiarized Cyrus Teed. He did. Biblical scholars who have studied the Branch Davidians for years were astounded when I brought them the book, Koresh Andy, Religion for the New Age, and let them study it. They agreed there, there's too many similarities. But what may be possible is that Lois Roden, who was the one that had actually studied Cyrus Teed, who was aware of all the prophecies, may have told her pupil and lover, David Koresh, at some point that she'd had a vision for him, and that he had been told, at least spiritually by angels, all these things. Koresh had thought from childhood that he had a special relationship with God and that he could speak in some way to God. He was very suggestible about these things. We know he read nothing but the Bible himself. But that book was in the Waco Library. Someone, their records don't show who, had gotten hold of it and underlined key passages in it. And again, the prophecies of David Koresh, as my book will point out, literally word for word the Cyrus Teed prophecies. The relationship, the plagiarism is proven. We will never know, I think, whether it was conscious or unconscious, but the fact remains it is real, and because of that plagiarism, history in America changed. There was a line in your book, Jeff, that said, um, all Lois had to do is give him the kernel idea, and on his own he will decide this is about me. So it's like he was sort of primed to run with it, theoretically, I think that's the speculation anyway, that she was able to plant the seeds, sort of strip out the pseudoscience from, from Cyrus Teed, plant the seeds, and then he took it as him, himself. I think if I had to make a guess, David Koresh was so certain that he was someone special. When he hears his mentor, Lois Roden, telling him that you are the most special of all, you're the greatest prophet, you are the lamb, he would eagerly embrace it and make it his own idea. Lynn, are you going to add anything to your book about this in future editions or have a follow-up of some kind? I did. It's, uh, I'm glad you asked. Um, I wrote a new preface to the book, and the new edition is now out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you happen to know if the folks at Koresh and State Park are going to start weaving this new information into the story they tell there? They already are. They, um, as soon as I was comfortable with, you know, the publication schedule, et cetera, and not spoiling any surprises, um, I made the docents and the park manager aware of this, and they have been uh, training their docents. I've spoken to their docents already. And they are already incorporating this into the story of Cyrus Teed. So it's been a very exciting 
time at the park. It's a wonderful time to visit the park because there's this new knowledge, something that we thought was a bit of local history turns out to be to have an impact on the entire country. So very exciting time to visit the park. And yes, the uh, historic site and the staff there is eager to talk to the public about this. Well, that and is, Mike, yes, Jeff, go ahead. When Lynn and I have our program in Fort Myers, I am going to bring a copy of Korishanity, a religion for the new age. So anyone who comes, if they'd like to actually see a copy of the book itself, flip through it, see what Lynn and I are talking about. They don't have to believe us. They can believe their own eyes. Well, I have to say goodbye to both of you because we're out of time, but I thank you for your time. Uh, Lynn Milner is a professor of journalism at Florida Gulf Coast University and author of The Allure of Immortality, An American Cult, A Florida Swamp, and A Renegade Prophet. Lynn, great talking to you as always. Thanks, Mike. And Jeff Gwynn is a best-selling author of more than 20 books, including his latest, Waco, David Koresh, The Branch Davidians, and A Legacy of Rage. Jeff, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I had fun. Thank you. You can meet Lynn and Jeff and see their presentation that will include far more details about the lives of Cyrus Teed and David Koresh and similarities between their stories and prophecies this Thursday, March 16th from 6 to 8 p.m. in Edwards Hall on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University. It's free and open to anyone, but RSVP is required. Visit our website, wgcu.org gcl to find a link to more information. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Our social media coordinator is Tara Callaghan. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida.